Father, thank you so much for drawing us around your word today. And you promise, Lord, as your word goes out, it never returns to you void. So as we open it today, we pray, God, that you would speak to us a new and a fresh way and change our lives for the better. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome. And as I mentioned before, we are continuing with Liquid Church from Ezekiel 37. And basically, this is a prophecy. The prophet Ezekiel, long time in the Old Testament, back uh, prophetic days, the Old Testament, 600 years before Jesus, he had a vision. And the vision was this, is that when he was at the church, the synagogue, when he was there, he saw a stream that was leaving from the church. It was really small. And as it, the further it got away from the building, the wider it became, the more water was in it, the more tributaries that came out. And how we connect that today, what the meaning of that was, we believe, is that as we leave this place, this physical building, you take with you the water of life. You take with you Jesus, the good news, the gospel. And as you go out, it should flow in such a way that people will be fed or watered or be touched by the beautiful thing that Jesus has done for you and has done for them. It's called mission. And when I say the word mission, I want you to think about what comes to your mind when the word mission is used. Got it? What do you think of when you think of missions? I bet at least nine out of ten of you have thought of this. It's where you go somewhere for a week or a month overseas or in Mexico and you do mission work, right? Now that is correct. In fact, when I think of missions, that's one of the top things I think of because that's really what uh, God had done in my life. That's how I got started in ministry, actually. I started in Coahuila, Mexico in a little town called San Rafael. And I got a picture here for you so you can kind of see the bottom of the map there where the Rio Grande, Texas, and Mexico separate. That red dot there is about four hours south of the border. And God is pretty, uh, pretty creative and crazy, I would say, because here's the deal. I was 19, and in high school and college, I took French and German, and he sent me into a place that spoke Spanish. I thought, God, you have a sense of humor. And I'm sitting there trying to converse with these people, and they're so kind. It's a very poor mountain village. We went to four little towns, and it's nice and cool weather up there. I love it, but I couldn't speak a lick of Spanish, right? I'm sitting here trying to say things, and instead of but, I say dog, like perro, perro. I mean, you name it, trying to figure this out, and they're laughing at me. And so I don't mind because I'm pretty fun-loving guy, so I thought this is kind of fun. Let me just try. So I'm mimicking, you know. But one of the, the, the people, the families that I met that I just fell in love with and to this day just love them to death, it's, it's Juan and Gabriela Cortez. Juan was, since a teenager, a pastor in the San Rafael area. And he was a traveling pastor. He lived in San Rafael and went to like four different cities, and that's where we did our work because he had relationships built there. Today, this is what his church looks like, where we built this slab and, and put a building up. They still worship there. Pastor Juan and Gabrielle are still pastoring, doing some amazing work there. But I got to tell you what I learned from Pastor Juan. It's not just speaking the gospel that's mission. It's not just telling people, but it's actually doing something for them and loving them. We did vacation Bible school in this area, in this room, so many times, but I got to tell you something. What we gave them first before God's word was food and water because these poor little kiddos were so hungry 
that there is no way that they were going to be able to think clearly, to hear the good news of Jesus and how much he loves them if their little bellies weren't filled. And it was such a special thing to say, you know what, this is what mission is about. And when, when I would bring groups in, and out, my, my job basically was to leave Laredo, get them safely through the checkpoints, bring all the money and this and that. I'm 19, this is crazy. So I was too young to be scared. I take them down there for a week, bring them back on Friday, get a new group on Monday, just back and forth with bands, you name it. And I got to tell you, the first time you go on a mission trip, and you may have experienced this, you think, I'm going to go bless them. And if you're doing it right and you're allowing Jesus to do what he does, you will come back and think, oh, wow, I was so blessed. Like that first mission trip that you would do, it just knocks your socks off. You, you, you're so surprised. And do you know every day of your life can be like that? You can go out and say, you know what, God, I'm going to bless somebody today. I'm going to do mission. And then you lay your head down at night. And if you've been following the heart of Jesus that we're going to talk about today, you will count your blessings. You will have a gratitude list so long. Because biblical missions are a heart and a lifestyle approach, not just a once a week or once a year trip. This is a lifestyle that you will engage in. And some of you are there, and some of you are like, I'm thinking about this, or maybe this is intriguing to you. And you're like, okay, I want to look into this. How can my life, my heart, and my lifestyle be, in a biblical way, a mission? This is liquid church. This is actually you infusing the world with what God has infused you with. Another way to think about this is how Jesus does this. See, Jesus makes it his mission. It is his mission to care for the most vulnerable and poverty-stricken among us. And a lot of times you'll think, well, where do you get this? I'm not making this up. If you're new here, this is all in the Bible. We love the Bible. We believe that Jesus gave us this, this Bible that tells us all that we need to know for our life here and the next one to come. And we learn throughout the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is that Jesus' entire mission was to love on the vulnerable and the poverty-stricken. You will see time and time again that when he goes to people, it's those that were ostracized by others, those outcasts, those that the ones that were in power would look down upon these people and say, why does he hang out with these sinners? And Jesus is like, that's where my heart is. In fact, what we're going to do today, we're going to be in two sections of Scripture. We're going to briefly look at Luke 4, and then we're going to go to Matthew, Matthew 25. Now, here's why we're looking at these two Scriptures. The Luke one actually starts at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. And the Matthew one is probably at least the last week or, or maybe the last month of his life on earth. And these are like bookends that will reflect each other, that will tell you this is Jesus' heart. And so what we wrestle with today is, is this my heart? Do I have the heart of Jesus in me when it, when it comes to missions? And if you don't, you're in the right place. This is by mistake that you just showed up here today. God knew it. He, he's, he's tugging on your heart right now. So let's start with Luke 4. And I want to read to you just this part of it in verses 18 to 19. It says this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Where does this come from? You kind of dropping into this text in the middle of it, you're like, okay, what does that mean? Let me tell you. In Luke chapter 4, the context is this. 
Jesus has just been in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. He didn't eat anything. It's amazing. I can't, and I love it that Luke says, and after that, he was hungry. I'm like, duh. Like, that's a little waste of ink, Luke. We know he's hungry. So he comes out of the wilderness, and it says, then Jesus was at the synagogue, which was his custom. That tells you that Jesus regularly went to church. So this is a good thing that many of you are back. I know online is amazing, in church is amazing, wherever you do it, online or in person, it's a good routine to have. This is how God made it. And Jesus says, this is how your week can flow much better. So Jesus went to church every week. And this this particular Sunday, they were reading from the scroll of Isaiah. And what happened when they would go to church is they would have appointed readings every Sunday. So every year when this Sunday came around, they would have a special reading. And this, year, this the particular week, it was from Isaiah 61. And don't you know, Jesus knew that this was the reading that day and how excited he was. Because they, having honor and respect for Jesus, kind of knowing a little bit about him, they said, hey, why don't you read for us today, Rabbi? So he read, he undid the scroll, And he found the place in Isaiah 61 that says this. Now, here's the crazy part. For hundreds of years, this text would be read on that Sunday. For hundreds of years, people would roll it up and they'd discuss, talk, maybe a sermon. But Jesus did something different. He finished and the text tells us that he says, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Modern way, that'd be like a mic drop. What? The people were astonished. In fact, they were so astonished, they started getting upset with him after he started pushing the the, the issue for a while. And from here on out, those who were in authority, who were in control, who wanted to keep control, they thought they were in control. They wouldn't have nothing to do with him. They were persecuting him from here on out. And Jesus says, well, this is my heart to give people good news, especially the poor, to tell prisoners there's freedom. And to help people who can't see and for those who are oppressed. And this just isn't like literally. This is figuratively as well. And you fit into this. And we're going to talk more about that when we get into Matthew. Okay? So this is Jesus' heart for those who need help. Is this what your heart looks like? Is this what you wake up thinking about? Maybe not. A lot of us have much different missions, and some of those missions are valid. Like, you know, I want to work hard, save for retirement, take care of my family. I want to stay healthy. I don't want to get sick. I want to make sure I keep my job. I want to make sure the kids do this, you know, like save. All the, we have a lot of different missions that we want to accomplish on a daily basis, weekly, and then for our life. And those are all good, but it's not complete. To have a complete life and the life that God intended for you is to have Jesus' heart in this mission. And so how is this mission going for you? And this is not meant to hit us over the head. It's to excite us, to spur us on. And the only way this is going to excite you is to look at Matthew 25. Because in Matthew 25, we're going to see six themes that Jesus addresses when it comes to mission. Six themes when it comes to mission. Now, let me just give you a personal insight here. I got back from vacation a few weeks ago, and uh, our senior pastor, John, had put this schedule out to the end of the year. And I love it that he schedules it out and kind of sees, okay, who's preaching, who's teaching, who's doing this, you know. So I looked and I thought, okay, cool, I'm September 13th, and I have missions 
local and global. And then the cool thing is that then you as the preaching pastor get to pray about what scripture is God putting in my heart on this topic. And I tell you, I would never in my years, my life ever have told you that Matthew 25 is a mission text. What Matthew 25 is known as, and you'll see a title in your Bible, it is an end times text. In fact, what Steve read here, if you, if you listen to it, it talks about this is what's going to happen when Jesus sits on his throne. So it's the last day text. In fact, this is such an important text. The more I look at it, I think this is Jesus telling us when you get to heaven, when you stand at the gates and I should say, hey, here's the sheep and the goats. Should I let you into my heaven? This is going to be our conversation. I never looked at it that way until I started prepping for this sermon. I thought, well, my goodness. This is actually telling us Jesus' heart. And he's like, we're going to talk about your heart when you get to the gates. So some of you have shorter time than others. If my bears win at noon today, that's like their one win for the season. I might have a heart attack and get excited and go see Jesus. I'll be so excited. But there's going to be a day for all of us, a time for all of us that we're going to stand before Jesus. Now, before we, we jump into this, I, I want to, to make sure you grasp this. Scripture always interprets Scripture. You must take Scripture in context with other portions of Scripture because we have seen so much danger done to the church in the name, or to, to the world in the name of God by people taking Scripture out of context. I don't have to tell you that. We've read about it. We've seen it. It's happening today. But you want to look at the whole picture of Scripture. And what we learn from Romans 3, Ephesians 2 is this, is that we are saved by grace through faith. This is a gift from God, not a work of ourselves. So for you to get into heaven, to be saved eternally... That is a 100% gift of God. He calls you into the family. Ephesians chapter 1, you have been adopted into the family, predestined before time, all this stuff. It's not something that you make up and that you work your way to heaven. You need to hear that. If scripture is true, which it is, all the other parts tell us that you actually get to heaven through faith in what Jesus did on the cross. So if you get that, and now you're ready to read Matthew 25, you might be a little confused saying, okay, if I'm at the gate and I'm ready, okay, let's go, Jesus, and I'm the sheep over here. You've called me into the family as opposed to a goat that's going to hell, his description. Why do we need to talk about these things? Here's why. Once you have faith, there's not many of us that all of a sudden have faith and then God says, okay, it's time to die. That's not how life works. For the majority of people, you have faith, and you may have it for 10, 20, 30, 60, 90 years left on earth to live out that faith. So notice what Jesus says. He says, when I go on my throne, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats, those who I know are faithful and those who are not and I'm going to have a conversation even with those that are faithful. Because you would expect maybe the non-faithful to not have the heart of Jesus. They might do some things that reflect Jesus, but they're not going to have his heart because they're not connected with him in that way. 
But if you are faith-filled and you're a follower of Jesus and you believe, then hopefully you will have the same heart that he says, this is what we're going to talk about on that last day. Now, I just want to read a couple of these verses for you. Starting in verse 35, he says, When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Now, hold on, because I don't think you've ever looked at it this way before. But if you look at these six things that Jesus said right here, the gospel, the good news, is that he did every single one of these on the cross for you. Think about it. Allow me to go down this list for you. When there was hunger, he's the one that feeds, verse 35. What did Jesus do on the cross? Matthew 5 tells us, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. When you are hungry for righteousness, Jesus accomplished on the cross. How many of you today hunger for righteousness? You look at the news, you're like, judgment needs to be done. Right? No matter what side you're on, everybody hungers for righteousness right now. They hunger for the right thing to be done. No matter what camp you're in, you hunger for that. And Jesus says, I took care of everything on the cross there. I made right you with your creator. I made right everything. And even though this world still seems crazy and it's getting worse every day, we're thinking, I have made it right. And in the end, God's going to take all these little little scenarios and bring it together for his glory and for your good. If you hunger for righteousness, God did that on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. If you thirst, if your soul is parched for God, He gives you the drink. Man, it's been a while since I've been to church. It's been a while since I opened God's word. It's been a while since I prayed. It's been a while. And he says, if you are parched, if you are thirsty, I I give you something to drink from the cross. I cover you with my blood. I fill you up. Look at the third one. You ever feel like a stranger somewhere? It's God who gives you shelter. Philippians chapter 3 says that we are strangers and aliens in this world. And I don't have to tell you that. Scripture doesn't have to tell you that. You feel it. How many of you have said, this world feels different than when I grew up? This country feels different than 20, 10, 5 years ago. I begin to feel more and more like a stranger. Guess what? That's biblical. You are living a biblical life if you do not identify with what is going on today. If you feel like this is uh, different than what I value, what God has put in my heart, you are a stranger here. And and biblically, you are supposed to be a stranger here. You are supposed to be that, that stranger that God has left here for some unknown time to actually share that there's a shelter from this, from this storm, and it starts at the cross. It's a totally different way to live. Someone who has no business being on the cross because he's so good. And yet, he's like, I'll I'll take that. It's a whole different, it's a strange way to live. This is the cross. Look at the fourth one. I don't want to know how many of you feel naked right now because that's that's a problem we need to talk about. But if you've ever felt naked, like, you're like, you know what? I I have done something. They know it. I feel shame. I'm going to be exposed for this. How long can I keep the lie up? I have such a facade on. People are going to figure out who the real me is. 
If you have ever felt that, and many of you are probably there right now in some capacity of your life, like, this is just not me. And you know who actually clothes you? It's Jesus. He clothes you with the truth of the cross. He covers you. He says, I have this. Walk with me, and I will take care of this. The fifth one is, and the sixth one is very similar together, sick or in prison. Sometimes you have soul sickness. The idea that, you know what, I just don't feel right inside and I know I need God to make that better and he only he can. And that prison idea, how many of us are prisoners in our mind? If you think you're not, do you ever fear? You ever have anxiety? You ever worry? You ever have the squirrels running around in your head where ruminating thoughts just keep going and going and you lay there, you're in bed, you're like, okay, let me not think about this. And I think about that pink elephant I was told not to think about. And you try to sleep and you can't sleep because you're thinking about it. You are a prisoner. We are prisoners. Our minds, our spirits, they get, you know, what do people think of me? I'm going to go in a room. What do they think of me? Someone once told me that that most people, when you walk in a room, they're not thinking about you at all. They could care less about you. But we all walk in a room, we're like, what are they thinking about me? Right? You're a prisoner to that in so many ways. So here's what happens. Jesus says, let me set you free. Sit at the foot of the cross. Let me set you free. And so when you look at the list that we're going to talk about in the last days, first, I'm going to be like, hey, Jesus, first, before we talk about this, I just want to say thank you. Because <laughs> you have so bettered my life. You have so made life worth living. Because all these things that had me, you had it first. And you took it for me. And so now let's talk about what heart you put in me. Today's the day that your heart can change. That you can say, Lord, I want my heart to look like yours. First Samuel, God said, David is a man after my own heart. I want to have a heart like that where my heart looks like yours, God. And only he can do that. So I want to take you back to Pastor Juan. This is what Pastor Juan would often do. He would be making cement in a wheelbarrow to build. In fact, I can't tell you how many hundreds of bags of 50-pound Apasco cement we would mix when we were down there to help build shelters, homes, places of worship for people who needed it. And what I learned most from Pastor Juan was this. It's not just telling people about Jesus, it's showing them Jesus. It's doing for them what they could not do for themselves. Only Jesus can do it. That's the heart. That's Matthew 25. So question is this, for who or what does your heart ache for today? It's a holy heartache. Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe it's someone in your house. You're like, my heart aches for them. And maybe only you can be the one, not to hit them over the head, but to listen, to develop the relationship, for them to trust you. And just maybe someday, that mission that you're starting with them, that God is doing, that's flowing that river, will start to infiltrate their heart and their heart could look like Jesus too. If you're ready to move on this and you're like, you know what, I, I want some structure around this. I don't know what this looks like. I have good news for you today. We have a lady named Sue Dorn. Sue, uh, this cracks me up. She uh, is our mission coordinator. We just started that. Uh, we, we funded that. You did through our, through our mission for Heart for His House. And we hired her in February. And this is what's funny about this. We brought her up here and introduced her to you in February. The next week, COVID lockdown hit. So poor Sue, she's up here meeting everybody and then like 
Nobody sees her. Nobody sees you. I mean, nobody's here. So it's hard for her to connect with you to say, hey, I'm the mission coordinator. I want to help you do mission. So I have a two-minute video I want you to watch. Meet Sue Dorn if you haven't yet, and check out what she has for you. Good morning. I'm Sue Dorn, your St. John Mission Coordinator. During the last few months, we have been connecting with organizations all over the world, trying to provide you with opportunities to become one of the many who are on their way to being on mission to change the world. It is our goal to have everyone from age three to 103 on mission at St. John. There is a place for each of us to be serving. From serving at Vacation Bible School to the Mission Cafe, CASA, Mansfield Mission Center, all of the partners we have locally, regionally, nationally, and are developing internationally. We are so excited to think about the possibilities for 2021. We have, we're looking at the uh, possibility of going to Alaska on a vacation Bible school short-term mission trip to visiting a small village in Belize and also to, to going back to Lutheran border concerns in um, Mexico, another opportunity to serve both far and wide. So let's talk about how God is tugging at your heart. Contact me, Sue Dorn, and through a text to missions, that's missions, M-I-S-S-I-O-N-S, to 833-440-0137. God is looking forward to seeing you change the world. And remember, whether, whether it's near or far, we will have a passport ready for you to go on God's adventure. I'm looking forward to hearing from each of you, so please remember to text me. Take care, my friends. Looking forward to serving with you. How would you not want to talk with that sweet lady? Right? My mom is here. I can go to her if I want to talk to someone sweet. But like Sue, mom, she's right up there. This lady is so nice, so con conversational, you name it. So if God in any way is tugging on your heart, text missions to 833-440-0137. And the cool thing, she will personally reach out to you this week or next week, depending on how many people, uh, what volume she has. But it's a great way to say, okay, where's your heart and how can we help you get on mission? Super, super good stuff.